0: Welcome to the True Talk Cafe podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We're so excited that you're here. Our podcast will tackle a myriad of topics, ranging from relationships to personal development and everything in between. Today's show is all about women, the OGs of the great Resignation. This is sure to be a fascinating conversation. Before we dive in, let me introduce you to the pod crew. My name is Renee Stewart, and I'm joined by my co hosts, Anna Garcia. Hey, Anna. How are y'all doing? And Lali Ramirez Bennett. Hi, Lali. Hola. And we're missing our friend, Carla Decor, but she's with us in spirit. Collectively, we span four generations, and we can't believe that either, right? (laughs) We've all experienced ups and downs in our personal lives and professional careers that have qualified us to share our unique perspectives with you, and we are so excited to do so. Before we get into today's content, I wanted to let you know where you can find us on social media. On Instagram and Facebook, you can use at True Talk Cafe, and on Twitter, you can use at True Talk Cafe One. Don't forget to like us, rate us, and leave us a review. We value your feedback. We want to ensure that we are providing content that resonates with you, so please, Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on whatever
1: platform you listen to your podcast. So we are super excited about today's show. We want you to stay tuned to hear about what we're going to discuss on the impacts of women of color has had to this great resignation that we're hearing about. Also stick around to find out how you can join us on a live show. Now let's get started.
2: Hello. And what a way to wrap up March, right? Let's talk a little bit about what March signifies when it comes to talking about Women's History Month. March is recognized as National Women's History Month, which is an honorary observance of the month in the United States, as designated in 1987 by the U.S. Congress in recognition of women's many accomplishments throughout history. A variety of agencies, schools, and organizations observed this month by focusing on the consistently overlooked and undervalued role of American women in history. So when I read that phrase to you, it does resonate. It does, I'm sure everyone listening today, especially women, you probably have a little bit of an inclining to either get upset, get frustrated, and for our male allies and all of our partners out there, you know, always looking at me, probably also get a little bit of a trigger from that, right? But let's talk a little bit about some of the milestones that women's journey have accomplished. If you think about voting, voting has been around since the 1700s and even before that, right? But did you know that women did not earn the right to vote until August 18, 1920. Yes, guys, I am saying saving 1900s. And that, unfortunately, only included white women. Women of color had to fight for another 45 years to gain their own right to vote through the Voting Rights Act of 1965. Now, if you think about it, these are generations probably represented on this podcast, as well as those of you listening to us. You guys have lived it. You have experienced. So that is kind of heartbreaking when you consider some of the other things. But wait, if you're not angry yet, there's more. In 1968 was when women first were able to have their rights to get employed and not be omitted from job listings. So we didn't even have the right to work without permission, so to speak, until 1968. And before that, if they were given jobs, they specified only for male constituents. So it couldn't even be for the female job growth. But, you know, we all walk around with debit cards now, credit cards. Some of our teenage daughters have them. Unfortunately, it wasn't until 1974 that women were actually able to get their own credit card. This happened through the Equal Credit Opportunity Act of 1974, which was actually not even intended for women, but it was when it was able to capitalize on it. This is a time where the law made credit card companies issue cards to women without a husband's signature. You believe that we couldn't even have our own credit card until then. And now let's talk a little bit about marriage. Sometimes you can't control who you fall in love with, right? Well, in 1907, if you decided to marry somebody who was not a U.S. citizen but foreign, you would be stripped of your citizenship, right? Due to the Exploitation act, which is no such penalty was a given for men. So they could marry foreign women at any given time. Two years after women won the right to vote, was this act actually repealed and you would not lose your citizenship. But that's crazy, right? And we like to talk about these things because it just raises awareness. You know, we talked about, yeah, in 1968, we could have equal access to job listings. But in 1970, we gained the right to be paid the same as men for the same work. Think about where we are in 22, still trying to celebrate Equal Pay Day, which we have not achieved. And then in 1978... Women gained the right to work without discrimination due to pregnancy, meaning if you were ever pregnant, you could not work. It wasn't until 1978. Again, that is probably affecting all of our generations because we were all either born or daughters of these mothers that were not allowed to work while they were pregnant with us. So let's fast forward a little bit. We're talking now about women in 2022. Did you know that women are leading in entrepreneurship? 20% of new business are now led by women. That is a record high, but we're still holding ourselves back. Female entrepreneurs ask for roughly $35,000 less in business financing than men, and normally receive at least $5,000 less. So what in particular has driven women of color to leave their jobs? We talk about family, entrepreneurship, lack of support, growth opportunities. And amongst us, the four generations here, we have our own personal stories to tell. So we're gonna go around and just talk a little bit about what we can share as far as our personal experiences and share with you what we've done and what we're doing to continue the work that is still needed. Lolly, are you okay starting with letting us know a little bit about your story? Because it is different. You lost your parents at a very young age. You were living in different times and you had to consider some non-traditional paths that might've been frowned upon at the time. Tell us a bit more.
1: Absolutely. I usually start off with sharing the fact that 40 years ago when I was graduating from high school as a Latina in South Texas, it was very rare at the time that women really wanted to acknowledge that what they wanted out of life was a career. As a Latina, my goodness, the fact that I didn't really want to get married, that I didn't care if I had children, those were things that were not spoken of. Now, I was very fortunate because although I did lose my parents by the time I was 20, both of my dad when I was 13, my mom when I was 20, both of them had a very open mind about what it was that they wanted for me. They wanted me to see the world. They wanted me to have an ability to do whatever it was that I wanted. So even though they left me at an early age, I was still dealing with extended family, that really didn't have the same mentality that they did. Thankfully, my brother and my sisters did, and so they supported my decisions. But I also, you know, when you talk about the, the people around you, the counselors and people like that, I was fortunate that I met the right people. The ones that didn't, I just kind of said, okay, well, that's okay, I'm going to move on. I, I know what it is that I want. But I know that throughout the time uh, that I was growing up and, and going through those pivotal years as a young woman, it was a little bit different because again, I wasn't like everybody else. What is amazing to me, we do so much, the four of us do so much in giving back in the community and being able to interact and mentor young women as young as elementary school sometimes and as, uh, even in, as, as they get into their professional careers. The reality is, is that today, 40 years later, we still run across those young women that tell us, oh, but no, I don't think so. I, I, my family wants me to get married and have kids. And if I go to college, I have to stay close by. Uh, and I'm not going to tell you that, you know, it's not okay to to stay close, to to keep, pick a college that's close by. It's 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 whatever is right for you. But what I want to propose and hopefully influence in my life is that really it's a choice that we have. It's my choice. And if I choose to go and travel the world and maybe come back and get married later on in life, or if I choose to say, I don't want to have children, it's okay. Now, in all honesty, I, I had a discussion with one of my mentees who's in uh, in her late... I guess late twenties or so, who's who is very much like myself, who is dealing with that today, and told me yesterday, she says, "Ollie, how do you how do how do you recommend I deal with people who are asking me these questions?" And I know I'm going to be judged by my decisions. Maybe not the right thing to tell her, but to be honest with you, or, you know, just to "Say you really don't know. It, it, let's see what life holds." For you. Because if someone's going to judge you, It really doesn't matter what their opinion is. It doesn't matter that you don't tell them exactly what it is. You need to stick close to your own personal goals and move forward with that. If you want to be a scientist, if you want to be an astronaut, if you want to be, I mean, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is, as long as you're willing to pursue the education you need, you have the the ambition and the will to pursue and get out there and do it. As a woman, you should be able to. Anna, hopefully that helps a little bit.
2: Yes, and I, I love sharing this story because there's many times when we talk to our mentees and they, they bring that, you know, what, you know, like, how was that being Latina? And, you know, a lot of times women of color, the expectation is you get married. There's nothing after high school. That's if you're allowed to complete high school. So it's very important to recognize that, you know, there's still so many things that have happened. Even women back in the days, if you got married and your spouse died, your widow years was just as grim as if you had been born in a low class or middle class because you were not allowed to inherit anything. So it's very different. It's different times, different means. Some women cannot have joint ownership and their husbands can do whatever they wanted to with their personal property without women having to do it. A lot of those women did not gain permission until the late 1700s, early 1800s. So it's, it's very different to be able to say, Hey, I'm, I'm now I don't want to get married. I'm black. I don't want to have children. You know, it's, not the expectation that was set for us, but it is definitely something that we can all do and do a lot more freely today. Thank you, Lolly, for sharing. Now, Renee, you also have a large family with many siblings, but very different path than the rest of us. Share what you noticed early on in the world and still face today.
0: Well, I'll start with my mom. My mom is from Tuskegee, Alabama, and she realized. She got into her probably mid-twenties, I would, I would say, and she moved north because she knew that she would not have the opportunities in the South as an African-American woman. So she moved to New York so that she could have those, more opportunity, and thank God she did. <laughs> so she moved to the New York City area with her aunt, and the uh, railroad was really big at the time. So, I believe she got some sort of employment around the railroad. I don't even remember what it was. And she made her way west to our hometown because we had a really big railroad depot there. And that's where she met my dad because my dad is from the South as well. And he went north. So, he would have more opportunity. And he worked for the railroad. And that is how they met in in our hometown. Now, with that being said, only get a certain job right because as a black male he had to be like a laborer and my mom was a stay-at-home mom at first so my older brothers and sisters until the marriage split she split my mom's now a single mom but my mom was very driven so she ended up going back to school so my older brothers and sisters they're the ones that really kind of raised us or watched us, if you will, because my mom would work during the day and then she'd go to school at night. So we kind of have an older generation and a younger generation. I'm in the younger generation. So we saw her and, you know, the way she was grinding and we all had to pitch in and we had, you know, the chore schedule. I remember my sisters and I have a sister a year younger, a year older. The three of us were young. We couldn't even reach the sink. We would have chairs. That we would have to stand up, and that would be because our chores went together because we were younger. So one would wash, one would rinse, one would dry. And that's how we did it. And everybody had their chores. So that's kind of how we pitched in. So we knew how to work. My dad on that side, he had to quit school at third grade, he was the oldest of 16. My mom had 12. The reason why I say that is because. We had to learn to help him with his business affairs. So we're young. We're like, you know, maybe tweeners. And we're reading, you know, about his stocks, his bonds, all that stuff. So the younger generation, we're all in business. Every single one of us. Some aspect of it. Because we had to learn younger. And both my parents were like, hey, you're going to college You need to get a job, you know, a job after college, a good job. Don't worry about getting married. (laughs) Don't worry about that. That'll come later. You need to go get your education. That's exactly what they said. So, I mean, my mom being a teacher, she knew how important it was. And my father was kind of the other way. He had to stop because he had to help the family because they were 16 right so he had to go to work he was forced to stop and he did not want to see that so he was like look you are going to college whether you like it or not <laughs> so that's kind of our story so i fast forward a little bit and as i get into kind of like my career and everything like that as a black woman just as in a black family you're taught that there's a black tax okay and some people know what that is some people do not but you're taught That, okay, you are going to experience certain challenges and obstacles just because of what you look like, period. And you're not thinking that, but when it happens, you're like blindsided. And then, you know, it pops back and you're like, yeah, there it is. (laughs) There is, that's it. That's what they were talking about. And you don't know when it's going to happen. But it happened to me. It was, was the day before my 27th birthday. It happened. They told me it was the only time, <clears throat> excuse me, I've been let go anywhere in my whole career. They told me I didn't mesh. And I was like, I didn't understand what that meant. And I kept asking, <laughs> well, was it my performance quality? Well, no. You just don't mesh. And I didn't. Right then and there, I didn't realize what it was, but when I got, I left, I got in the car and, you know, was driving back home. I lived in Maryland at the time. It hit me. So I was like, oh my God, I was just discriminating. So going forward with that, that life-changing experience, I said to myself, I could either be, you know, continue to complain and be a part of the problem, or I can become part of the solution. I decided to become part of the solution. And I said, I'm going to be in human resources. I will never let that happen on my watch
2: to anybody.
0: And I've been in human resources over 15 years.
2: Love it. And you know what? I think it's important to have those conversations, guys, right? And we've talked about this offline many times when we're together. We all have different journeys. I know mine, I feel like sometimes I was jaded. I was, you know, I I, I don't know. I didn't know a whole lot. And I was very naive to a lot of different things, you know, including the fact that I was Latina sometimes, you know. Um, My parents always raised me to, to be me, to be free. I didn't have the parents that would encourage me to go to college, but they never deterred me from going to college. They wanted me to be who I wanted to be. And I remember going to college. I do remember my high school counselors not counseling me as much as some of my peers and me going and asking i missed out on a lot of opportunities for scholarships and such because i graduated with honors i graduated from high school but i didn't know any better i didn't know a lot of those things that were available to us especially as a latina female i had a lot more opportunity to claim some of that free money that was out there and you know it it wasn't until corporate america that even being latina to me, anything other than that's my heritage. That was who I was proud of. So when we talk about women's rights, when we talk about women's ability to go work, when we talk about why women resign work, I could see why. You know, when we think about these things, I remember being super excited about getting a new role and then immediately being confronted by the fact that you know this little mexican girl isn't over her head or that i was not capable of doing the job because of the color of my skin which actually i'm not even that brown right I pale, so i didn't you know none of that stuff had ever impacted me before i was very fortunate people that i hung out with in high school you know if they ever made a comment of it it was jokeful i think i was very whitewashed to an extent and not understanding all that, you know, not even understanding about sexual harassment, which is another fun fact. 1986 is when women were finally given the opportunity to complain or even get, you know, damages resolved for sexual harassment in the workplace. We had to basically shut up and deal with it, you know, for so many years. I see Lolly's expression, guys, that she was not liking it. And, you know, and those are experiences that unfortunately, and I'm not saying men don't have them because men do absolutely have some of these shared experiences, but women have had to put up with it and deal with it. And we didn't have any rights to fight it. You know, speaking of additional rights, how many times you've used that next to a peer doing the same exact role as you, and they're making twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 more than you. You know, it wasn't until 2009 when women could actually file a complaint for pay discrimination. I had three kids by then, guys. I didn't even have the right to file for pay discrimination before I had my children, which is another thing that's crazy to me because I have been in that seat where I was underpaid and everything. And to your point, Renee, I felt like all of those lessons were an opportunity for me to grow and understand, how i can help and impact others so i am the president of a national nonprofit as well as lolly and we use that platform to be able to bring programs to bring education to help other women understand not only the rights because the rights are there and a lot of them are pretty you know black and white but to understand the power of their voice to understand their power and their ability to not just say, okay, well, that's the way things are. And you know, you having stated it, you know, you're in HR, you know, what can you share with us about some of those experiences? When a woman comes to you, sometimes it's personal, they don't want to follow a formal complaint, but they want somebody to talk to. What, are you, what do you recommend in those situations, or how do we approach that?
0: Well, basically, you have to make sure that you listen, you know, because that's half the battle. Because a lot of times, you know, people, women wouldn't be listened to. They're just like, oh, just slough it off and all of that. You have to make sure that you're going to listen to them and, you know, let them feel what they feel. Don't try to invalidate their feelings, right? That's the first thing. And I think when a, when a woman comes in, it's a little easier because I am female. And if it's a woman of color, because I'm a woman of color. So right there, you know. We kind of have this symbiotic type of thing happening right off the bat. And just with my personality and where I've been, I've been there 13 years. So they know kind of like how I run HR there. Everybody is going to be listened to, and I take all complaints seriously. So we kind of work together. Um, if it's something, you know within the workplace. I will always say to them, okay, we have zero tolerance for any type of harassment, you know, specifically sexual harassment. And I will let them know our procedure and that an investigation will take place. I do let them know step by step because I don't want them to be blindsided. So we kind of do like a partnership. I tell them how things are going to go. So that they can kind of get the courage. And I encourage them. They're like, no, no, I don't want to do anything. I'm like, well, we can't let this go because if it's happening to you, it can happen to someone else and we're not going to allow that to happen. Or maybe this person is not aware of it, or maybe they are, and we need to bring it to their attention. Maybe we need to get them some retraining or whatever it is, but we need to rectify the situation pronto. So that's kind of how I handle it there.
2: Thank you. And you know, Lolly, you know, when we're talking about these same topics, I know that we've had a, a month lined up of this conversations about women in the workforce. Um, when you think about what your work is entailing and what you've been doing to kind of promote women to follow the non-traditional paths That's what they want to do. Follow the opportunities that are out there that's going to help them support their family. What are some of the things that you think people should be looking into? You know, if our listeners are just trying to pursue something different or being challenged right now, what are your recommendations on that?
1: I think my my biggest recommendation to anybody is have faith in yourself. Build up your confidence. Go out there. You know, women are overeducated. But yet we hold on to that fear that maybe we're not enough. Um, we, we we see so many women get multiple degrees and yet not be feeling that they're capable of taking on a leadership role. I think a lot of that just stems from the fact that we're not willing to take that risk. Right. You got to put yourself out there. You know, as Anna mentioned, we both run. National organizations, my organization has 18,000 members. Did I believe that one day I was going to be running this? (laughs) No, I never thought that this was even in my line of, of sight. The reality was that I got to a point and said, okay, if I don't do this today, I won't have time to wait another four or five years or whatever. Am I ready now? Yes, I am. And do I know everything there is to know about it? No, but I'll figure it out. And and that is very different. As women, we tend to think, oh no, I have to be a hundred percent ready. Trust your heart. Go out there, reach for the stars. You you know, if even if you don't get there perfectly, you probably will have achieved way more than you ever thought possible. But I, I gotta tell you, it is time for us as women to take action. To take action in building ourselves up so that we can take those leadership roles. So that we don't have to have this list in the next 10 years of all these new firsts that women have done. And it becomes very current for anybody, regardless of what color you are, what gender you are, that the best person be the person that gets that job or that position to lead. And we just have to help support each other. We have to be willing to be strong. I always tell people, and, and these ladies know my, my personal situation well. But the other thing is, you know, I, I know we have men listening to our podcast today. This isn't about just women. This is about the men in our lives that help, be, you know, be right there pushing us along and saying, we got your back. Those allies are critical. They're critical to helping us change these numbers and, and making us, you know, better people. My husband, honest husband, you know, our brothers, our, our nephews, you, when they stand up and say, hey, I know you can do this. It means the world. And we need to stand up and say, we got this. We got this. We got this for you. We got this for me, for all of us. So, you know, I'm very passionate about this topic on I could go on forever. But those are those are my thoughts
2: brought up education, you know, when I was doing some of the research about, you know, the, just the disparity, the gaps and everything, can you believe that while workers with bachelor's degree do earn almost double what their co-workers without a college education would make, the difference between men and women's earnings actually widens with more education. So educated women are actually making 74 cents on the dollar versus, you know, there are counterparts that do not have college degrees who are making 78 cents to the dollar. So, you know, there, it's a lot of catch 22s. And that's why, you know, just truly understanding your goals and understanding what is it that is out there and taking on some of those non-traditional paths can be a very, very uh, beneficial to everyone. There is more notice around pay equity right now and pay inequities, and, you know, being able to get equal pay for everyone. There's a lot of eyes out on that. There are laws being passed. There are more reviews being done. So do your homework. Understand what you're applying for and understand what are those medians for your geographic area and ask for that. Actually ask for more than that. You know, they always tell me, Ask for what you're worth and then add taxes, shipping, handling, and all those (laughs) other things. That's what you're going to ask for. So if you're worth $10,000, you're going to ask for 10000 plus taxes, plus shipping, plus handling, plus everything else, because you are more than worthy of it. So we wanted to have this conversation today because Women History Month is important to acknowledge. We wanted to wrap up this month with sharing this conversation about our personal experiences, uh, the work that we're doing in the community to continue to reach out to you guys and so that you guys can share your feedback and input so make sure you drop some messages to this podcast in reference to what you have seen what you're doing and uh, remember women's history month is worth celebrating so put it out there share your personal accomplishments follow us on social media and make sure that you let us know what you're doing so we hope that you enjoyed today's conversation and now here is lolly with our little closing remarks thank you
1: absolutely Anna, thank you so much for walking us through that conversation. And I'm going to take you one step further and say, let's not just celebrate women for one month of the year; let's celebrate us for 365 days. We deserve equality wherever. So we we're
2: doing, doing an us. Anna celebration. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, we like to celebrate the whole time, right? But that, that's yeah, but- that's what it is. It should be all all around, right? And we strive to be there for the full. Time that it's not an ongoing conversation of how can we do this, but it becomes how we are doing such a phenomenal job. So, with that, let me share. Um, we promised to give you some information on how to become an audience member on our next show's episode. We hope you're as excited as we are. Please go to our True Talk Cafe Facebook page and send us a request to attend episode seven as an audience member. Be sure to use the hashtag TTCE p8 we will respond to you your request via our podcast website link and you'll be able to enter your preferred email address for us to send the audience link to we'll also send the audience members a reminder the day before the showing records it's going to be so much fun to have you join us live and we really do hope to hear from you again we want to hear your thoughts and, and ideas on this topic and we thank you for joining us